0: I got this question in a recent Clubhouse chat about product management for newbies. Aspiring product managers, I should say. The question was, how can I make a name for myself as a new junior product manager? Well, I realize I've already done a podcast episode on this. It was episode number 72, how to deliver value fast in your new product management job, even even if you don't know anything. But I also have some new thoughts I want to put into this episode, number 80. Now, in the earlier episode, I had described three things you can think about. There's obviously the first 90 days, and there's a lot of articles out there about what to do in their first 90 days of a new product manager job. I also talked about beginner's mind, taking advantage of the fact that you don't know anything to look at the product that you're working on with fresh eyes. And I also talked about product sense. We all have some product sense. That's why we got into product in the first place. As a junior PM, you might have less, but you have some, and you're going to start needing to apply that. And that may mean making decisions even if you don't have all the information. That's one of the things we have to do often as product managers. So this advice, the advice in Episode 72, applies to everyone no matter who they are. These are really best practices for all product managers when starting a new position. It's kind of one-size-fits-all advice, nothing wrong with that at all. But what about advice for you specifically as an individual person, as a unique individual? Is there a good way to use your unique abilities, talents, strengths, to make your name? Hi, this is your host, Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 80 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, the podcast for product managers. And today we're talking a little bit about animals, not just any animal, as you'll see. And then we're talking about a lot of other things as well. For show notes and links to all the articles, episodes, and websites, and potentially books that I talk about in the show, go to alltheresponsibility.com 80. So even if you're a new product manager, the chances are great that you have something amazing going on. To be hired as a product manager in the first place, that means you're some kind of a unicorn. You're interesting and accomplished with lots of skills and a resume that has compelling experiences, an impressive educational background most likely, and diverse interests and skills. But I'm going to talk about something different. We're all unicorns as product managers, unusual and rare compared with other roles in the company and even in life, but we're all still different from one another, obviously. So what color is your unicorn? And what I'm talking about is what are your particular talents, aptitudes, and strengths that differentiate you from other people, even other product managers? You know, we often use the concepts of strengths, talents, aptitudes, special sauce, superpower to mean roughly the same thing. And that is the way that you see the world or act within it, think, and so on that are kind of unique and unusual to you and special. And often these come so easily to you that it's hard to believe there's anything special about them. I always think about people who can draw and people who can draw often think that it's pretty easy to teach other people to draw because they just show them how they learn to draw. But the fact is if you're somebody like me who really has challenges with drawing, doesn't matter how easy it was for someone else to learn it, they can't teach me how to draw. I just can't learn. This is something that I know about myself. I've tried multiple times. The fact is that usually you aren't actually the best judge of your special talents because they seem so normal, so obvious to you, like the drawing talent for somebody who can draw. Now, often we're very aware of our weaknesses, like I'm very aware of my weakness as not being able to draw very well. When I say strengths in this context, though, I'm actually using that as a technical term, meaning the Clifton Strengths Finder Assessment. It seems to be a meaningful assessment of a person's strengths. It's definitely more meaningful than something like the Myers-Briggs type indicator, for example. And so I'm going to talk in this episode about how to find out what your strengths are in this context of the Clifton strengths, and then how to make use of your knowledge of your strengths, which you probably don't have if you haven't done this assessment yet, to figure out how to make a name for yourself, okay? Let's start out with an example. Let's say your strengths are positivity, ideation, and connectedness. Those are actually my strengths, and so it's easy for me to talk about them, and I speak from experience. What do those strengths mean? Well, first of all, let's do a little bit of definition without going too deep. Positivity means that I see the positive in situations. Ideation means I have a lot of ideas. Connectedness means I see the connections between things. Now, I'm just naming out these three strengths of mine. Now, of course, I have more than three strengths. We all do. The Clifton Strengths assessment has 34 different strengths, and it ranks you on the whole list of 34. And sort of the top 10 are really important for you. And the the bottom 10 maybe are things you're probably not very good at all at. And so you might have to do something about being able to work in a situation where you might need to apply some of those bottom 10. But we're talking about the top strengths and I'm talking specifically about these top three. So let's talk about what I did in my current job when I first joined. So I came into my current company and I started to learn about all the things that go on in that company. Now, this was a new market space for me. I'd never worked in this area before. Obviously, it was a totally new product to me. It was a much different kind of company that I'd worked in before. It was much bigger. I'd mostly worked in small companies. There were a lot of things that I did not know. So I was obviously still a pretty senior product manager. So I came in with that. I wasn't a junior product manager. But I didn't know much at all. I was very naive in the sense of I really had that beginner's mind that I mentioned at the beginning. So I came in. And one of the things that I started to learn about right away in the area of the product that I worked in was about a lot of things that were being done manually by my company when we were onboarding companies or onboarding clients that could be automated. There were a surprising number of these. Now, there were decent reasons that this happened. It was a 30-year-old company, 30-plus years old, and it started before any of the business processes that it Worked could actually even be automated. I mean, this company started before most of these things could be automated, quite amazing. And so, there was some legacy hanging on. That's essentially what happened there. So, let's think about my response to this situation. Well, first of all, what did I say about this? Well, I called this a situation where there were lots of opportunities for improvement. And that's a thing that somebody who's a positivity person is going to say. I didn't say it was a disaster. I didn't say there was somebody to blame, I didn't go ranting and yelling. My positivity helped me assume that everyone was doing their best and that no one was to blame for this situation, which meant that later on when I was pitching ideas for solving this problem, which I did eventually, I wasn't goring anybody's ox, I wasn't making anybody angry with me. Now, one of the biggest problems that I found was the number of manual communications that had to go back and forth between different organizations to enable things to move forward. And that's right up my connectedness alley, obviously. So what I did was I quickly sketched out how this process worked at a high level, and not very beautifully because none of my strengths include being able to draw. I was then able to use this sketch, which I created in PowerPoint, and I added some animations to, to show the process overall. You know, the fact is, many people did not actually understand this process. So just having a sketch created a lot of value in itself. And then my animation showed where manual steps were involved that we could automate if we chose to and when we chose to. So it included an aspect of ideation as well with some coming up with some ideas for solving the existing problem. So that is a little example of how when I first started not knowing anything, I created this little asset that seemed trivial to me to make because it aligns perfectly with my strengths. What were the results of this? First of all, it obviously... Helped me understand the system and was a good way for me to learn about it. But more importantly for the point of this episode, this catapulted the perception of my knowledge of the system. As a result of drawing this picture, people thought I was an expert. The reality was by drawing out a process that existed but that no one had really documented, I did in some sense now know more than almost anyone about this process end to end. There were a few people, there still are, a few people who still know more about it than I do, but they're really subject matter experts in the business. On the product management side, I am definitely the expert. And I became the expert very quickly because of that process and because I applied my strengths. So I was able also to articulate why this process, which was known to have a big impact on customer satisfaction, as onboarding always does. There were some opportunities for improving some potential negative impacts in the way we did it and turning them into positives to improve the experience of clients as they onboarded. And interestingly enough, I've used this sketch over and over again to continue to educate people, but also to illustrate an approach to understanding how things work in other areas. So we've sort of taken some of the ideas that I captured in this first thing and used those kinds of concepts to capture flows in other areas as well. So people now not only consider me an expert in this area, but also an expert in how to present these types of things. And also, as a result, because of the way that I've used it, they also think of me as something of an expert in persuasion as well. And they ask me for help in improving in all of those areas. Now, the reality is that I did this all as a senior product manager. But I did it from a situation where I literally knew almost nothing about the business, the terminology, the process, etc., So I was mature in terms of my product management skills and my product sense, but highly naive in terms of the product itself, of our customers and our process. Why am I telling you this story? Well, the little thing I did, draw a diagram of how a process worked, served as a valuable differentiator and kind of calling card for me as a product manager. You could say, in a sense, it helped me make my name as a product manager. Why was this particular approach a good one for me? Because it made use of my particular set of strengths as well, of course, enabling me to use other strengths than the ones I mentioned, as well as my existing general purpose product management skills. Everything came. Everything was brought to bear on this process, but three of my strengths were obviously very important in there. If you want to make an impression and make a name for yourself, it's really helpful to know what your differentiators are and your strengths. Well, those are definitely one component of your differentiation. And I just showed how that worked for me. You know, if you think about product management in general, one of our big obsessions has to be with what makes our product better for the prospect than their other choices, that is, the differentiators. And that's not just because they set our product apart from the other products, but because they deliver value, often unique value, in themselves. They enable our customers to achieve outcomes they wouldn't otherwise be able to achieve. And that's the same as our strengths. All of us product managers can do, or learn to do, the basics. But not everyone can bring to bear the same set of strengths. This is wonderful and sometimes frustrating, to be sure, but our differences enable us and our teams to achieve outcomes that we wouldn't otherwise be able to achieve. But this is only true, at least in a manageable way, if you know what your differentiators are. If you put your product, for example, out to the market and it won some deals and lost some other deals, and you didn't figure out why, you'd be shirking your job as a product manager. I think managing your own strengths and aptitudes is just as important. You're probably, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about strengths a few times before in previous episodes. You might think I'm kind of like a person who has a hammer and everything is a nail. And that's to a certain degree true, the hammer being strengths, and every problem needs to be beaten on with this hammer. But the fact is that I found it one of the better ways to understand myself and what I'm good at and bad at and where there's some good tools for getting more insight. So I will continue to encourage people to take a shot at learning about their strengths. Now the good news is it's inexpensive and quick, at least to get a list of your strengths and to get some initial analysis of those strengths. How do you do this? Well, you buy a book. The book includes a code that you enter in a site on the internet. The site gives you a quick test. I think it's less than half an hour. And then gives you your top five strengths. There are 34 strengths altogether in the Clifton Taxonomy. So for the price of the book, you can get your top five. And that's pretty useful right there. I think the book's about 20 bucks. Or what I think is probably a better option, just cut to the chase, you can pay $50 to have them give you your entire strengths profile. Same test. Um, Your ranking of strengths are 1 to 34. And a little more analytics as well that I think are kind of helpful. So I would recommend getting the more advanced assessment. I found it was really valuable to know that my strengths are all in the strategy and relationship areas. There's four different areas. And very few of my strengths are in the execution areas, which is not that surprising if you know me. It explains a lot about how often I get my podcast out, for example. So my recommendation is to do the $50 assessment. That's what I did. That's the first thing you need to do. Take that assessment. And as I say, I recommend the Clifton Strengths 34 assessment. I'll put a link in the show notes to the site where you can do this it's, uh, it's pretty valuable stuff. But a very critical next step is to do the following. So whether or not you go for the full assessment or just the top five, you then need to get some help to figure out what your strengths mean. You can obviously find a Clifton Strengths certified coach, which of course is costly, but there are some things you can do that don't require a coach, at least at the outset. In particular, I recommend Lisa Cummings' podcast, lead-through strengths. She has several sets of episodes, the most immediately useful of which is a series on building your career brand. There's an episode for each strength, and I found these really useful. In each episode, she goes over three key ideas. The first of which is career branding based on that strength. Basically, the words that typically go with people that have this strength. For example, for my strength connectedness, some of the words are integrator, bridge builder, listener, perceptive, philosophical. Not all the words she provides, and there's 18 for the connectedness strength, will resonate for you. But some will, and they might even give you some new ways to think about yourself and how others might perceive you, or how you might want to help others perceive you. She also lists out red flag situations for your strength. She says these are the cultures, interactions, or situations that might feel like soul-sucking drudgery to someone with a particular strength. For a connectedness person, like me, silos are pointed out as one of the big problems. And indeed, that is very true for me. I spent a lot of my time trying to break down silos because they are so disturbing to me. And in fact, this whole exercise that I described above was a lot of the problem was silos. And we've broken down a bunch of those silos since then. And then the third thing that's in these podcast episodes is ideas for how to apply this strength. She gives a few ideas for how to make use of the particular strength. Some of them might be new to you. For example, for the connectedness strength, one idea is help people live in the matrix. This is definitely something I do for my mom, for example, and some other friends. I help them understand how all the different systems that they might use, all the online systems and stuff like that, work together. And maybe how to solve problems that come up because of those. And that's related to my ability to know how things are connected. So you're not going to get the be-all and end-all of insight into your strengths from these episodes. But at minimum, you're going to get some insight that you probably won't get from the book itself. Not that the book doesn't have insights, but it's not going to give you everything. And that you almost certainly won't get from your own introspection. Now, I also want to mention that Lisa Cummings also has courses, online courses that you can take. They're 50 bucks or so. And there's, you know, one on what the first steps are to understanding of your strengths and things like that. So once you get your top strengths from the assessment... Definitely check out Lisa Cummings' Lead Through Strengths podcast episodes, because they're free, there's transcripts on her site, about how to make the best use of your strengths at work, and then the things to watch out for that turn out to be red flags or hazard areas. Let's now get back to the original question of how can I do something impressive and valuable, even when I don't know much and don't have much experience. What I'm going to recommend, of course, is to learn your strengths, if you don't already know them, and then use them to create value that no one else is in a position to create. And let me just run a little example to illustrate. You're a new product manager at a company, and you follow my suggestion to do the Clifton Strengths assessment. You find out that three of your strengths are, and I literally rolled the dice, while I actually literally created a random number generator in Excel, and came up with three random top strengths. The first one is communication, which is in the influencing space. The second one is strategic, which is in the strategic thinking space. And the third one is competition, which is also in influencing, like, like communication was. Because I have ideation as one of my strengths, I figured I'd just come up with some ideas about how you might apply these strengths, if you have those. And then I'll check in on some suggestions from Lisa Cummings' podcast episodes for these same strengths, and we'll see if we can come up with some good ones. Two of the strengths are in the influencing domain, communication, and competition. How might you use these? Here's a few ideas I came up with. First, help your boss with his or her slides. Because of your strength in communication, you're likely to have communication skills and insights that others don't have. And if your boss is not as strong in some of these communication skills, typically to become a boss, you have to be somewhat good at communication. But maybe they're not great at PowerPoint. Maybe they don't like it. Maybe they would like to work with a collaborator. And that might be an opportunity for you to make a name for yourself or to make an impression as somebody who helps people make good slides or good presentations. So that's the first one. Another one, take on writing the release notes for the next release. Many product managers would rather not do that, and if you can help them out, that will be beneficial to them. Plus, you'll learn a lot. Now, I am a writer. I do write all the time. I still don't like writing release notes, and if I had somebody on the team who loved writing release notes or who was stepping up to it, I would welcome that opportunity to work with that person to create something. Now, I wouldn't expect them to do a good job at the outset, but I would expect them to use that time to learn about things. I would give them feedback on how things fit together. Because one of the things, if if they don't know very much, they might write sort of bad release notes. They might not quite understand why this feature is important. They'll have to talk to me and I'll have to give them feedback. But if they are going to put the words onto paper or into the screen, that's a really valuable thing for me. Okay, another idea. Since you are new to the product, combine your beginner's mind with your communication strength to do a review of the messaging for the product as you learn it, and make a presentation about your findings and provide some recommendations on how it could be improved. This is actually another thing that I did when I first started at this company, is I worked through the product and I found places where things were confusing, and I documented those. It was valuable. The final thing that I came up with for the communication and competition piece is compare the marketing messaging between your product and your one or two most important competitors. You know, in some companies this is actually in marketing's area, but product managers often have a lot of input and impact on it, and sometimes it's actually just the product management organization that drives this messaging. So one particular thing I might look for are areas where your competitor makes an important claim that you don't, but that your product actually supports. And there's all kinds of actions you can take when you realize something like that. But that's a great use of communication and competition types of, of strengths. Now you might think that as a junior product manager, your strategy strength might have to go on the back burner. But I don't think that's actually true. And of course, since you're a unicorn, they probably didn't hire you just to put one of your strengths on the back burner, right? They probably want you to use it even if it might be a little bit tricky in your junior role. So let's take a quick look at how you might apply your strategy strength even though you're the low person on the totem pole, so to speak. Well, first of all, you're going to see strategic opportunities. Now, as someone with little power at the moment, you probably will not be able to act on those, but you can document them. And then you can combine your communication strength to gently inquire in the organization about those ideas, if they've come up before, if they've been considered and discarded, and if so, why? Maybe they haven't been considered. Maybe there's something that people are working on and you could get involved in that project. You can also combine these with your competitive strength to research whether competitors are doing anything along these lines and then report those findings back. Maybe you can also do the same kind of thing for analysts. Are analysts talking about the kind of strategic things that you have come up with and what are they recommending companies do based on their analysis? Now, As a junior PM, you're not really expected or even enabled to make strategic decisions, but you certainly are able to provide input and ideas about strategic direction, so you can certainly always do that. But one thing to remember, of course, is that as a new person, you don't know much at all. And so some of your strategic ideas are probably actually not good, and you have to be prepared for that, and that's why you need to tread somewhat gingerly and do research and inquiry about those ideas. So those are some... thoughts about how to apply those three specific strengths that I came up with. Let's do a quick check-in with Lisa Cummings on these three strengths and see see some of her suggestions. So for the communication strength, one of her suggestions is to volunteer to give presentations. It's actually similar to what I came up with. You can become known as someone who captivates others. This may be through the colorful, charismatic way that you present, or it can be that you're utterly compelling because of the way you craft the story arc. Those are Lisa Cummings' words, not mine. In the competition space, one of her ideas is to compete with yourself. So maybe you give yourself, maybe there's some things you need to achieve in your in your job, maybe you need to call 10 customers a week, and you set yourself a goal of calling 10 customers a week, and then you compete to every week call more, call 12 customers the following week, or 13, or something like that. Another thing that competitors are often good at is coaching. You might be able to coach someone else to level up their game and to win, right? Right. Sharing your techniques for making those 10 calls, those 12 calls with someone else who's having a challenge with that, that might be a really valuable way to channel your competitive streak, and competition means in some ways your competitive streak, into helping others. And finally, for, her, for the strategic strength, she suggested one thing I think is kind of useful, help clarify a complex topic for everyone. As a junior person, you might do this by asking for permission in a meeting to sketch out some thoughts at the whiteboard while other people are describing this complex situation. And while up there, you can ask naive questions and use them to create a clarifying diagram. Now, the idea of this, that you have the strategic strength, is that you are good at finding a simplifying view of a complicated situation. That's one of the things that strategists do. And so that might be a way to apply that. Now, if you were to do any of these activities, and of course there's dozens more you could choose from or come up with depending on your strengths, you would definitely start to make a name for yourself in the company. If you want to make a name for yourself, my recommendation is to focus on your differentiators and to start leaning on them, leveraging them to take advantage of your strengths. The set of strengths that you bring are relatively unique to you, and, and the way that you apply them is also going to be unique. And so that's going to be probably the easiest way for you to create some kind of an impression in your company about what your capabilities are. So let's talk about three things you can start doing today to learn about and leverage your differentiators on the way to making a name for yourself. So a good way to find your differentiators, not the only way, but an inexpensive and fast way is via the Clifton Strength Finder process that I've talked about already. Once you learn your top strengths, Use a resource like Lisa Cummings' podcast, her relatively low-cost trainings, or personal coaching to get ideas for how to make the best use of them, and then select one or two of the best ideas, the ones that are the best match for you and for the situation at hand in the job itself, and go to town. So if you have any questions about strengths or anything else that I mentioned in this episode, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to clarify anything. You can reach me at nils at nilsdavis.com. I have links to all the resources that I mentioned in this episode on the show notes page at alltheresponsibility.com slash 80, including a link to the StrengthsFinder site that's run by Gallup and I'll give you a link to the place where the tests actually are essentially where you buy this test and then you can get access to it there. I'll give you links to Lisa Cummings' podcast episodes, her and her online training courses, and the rest of her resources. I'll give you links to the Previous episodes, Product Managers Are Unicorns and How to Deliver Value Faster in your new PM job, even if you don't know anything, as well as a few of the other episodes where I talk about the Clifton Strengths, because I think there are a lot of other ways to look at Clifton Strengths are all beneficial and can help you improve your situation. So let me ask you this. It's the end of the discussion about strengths, but if you have a product management tip or trick or even a manifesto that you'd like to share with my audience. Drop me a line, nils at nilsdavis.com, because I'd love to have you come on the podcast for a short interview about that. And if you'd like, we can even do a little coaching session on one of your current challenges. So drop me an email at nils at nilsdavis.com, and we'll set something up. I think it would be a lot of fun, and i love to touch base with the folks in the audience. And finally, if you happen to be looking for a new job in the new year or thinking about it, you should definitely check out my Tell Your Story online class which is currently free. There's three great reasons to do it now. The first is, it's actually really good. It's a great training on how to tell amazing stories about your own accomplishments. And we all have accomplishments and we all sort of know how to tell a basic story, but there's some techniques you can use that are pretty simple and straightforward that I teach in this course about how to make those stories a lot better and how to make them really compelling and engaging. So it's just really good stuff to learn. As I said, it's also, for a limited time, free. It should be $49.99, but right now I'm discounting the price 100% for early signups. That can't last, so it's a great time to get in on it. Finally, the tools you learn to tell your own stories, which will definitely help you get that next job and differentiate you from other candidates. Those same skills, the structure, the tips, the questions you ask to find the good story material, they are totally applicable to all the times you need to tell stories as a product manager. This is whether you're pitching for new funding or trying to convince a prospect to become a customer or handling sales objections. The storytelling you learn in this course will be directly applicable. So how do you sign up, you ask? Go to alltheresponsibility.com stories. That'll take you to the sales page, and when you click through, you'll see there's a 100% discount applied on checkout. Amazing. And once you've signed up, drop me an email telling me what you think, and if you have any questions. hope you find it super valuable. Okay, that's it for this episode. This was some powerful stuff. I'm thrilled to have brought it to you. If you like the episode, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also check out the other episodes that I link to in the show notes, like Product Managers are Unicorns. It's good stuff. You can find links to all those places in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com 80. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.